Dry AMD research was a hot topic at this year's Arvo annual meeting. Could ethically source stem cells from human embryos provide a solution to this challenging disease? I'm Scott Criswanis, that's Greg Notstein, and this is New Retina Radio from Retina Today and Bryn Mawr Communications. Dr. Chris Riemann shared data from an early phase trial that sought to understand the safety of RPE cells surgically implanted below the retina. These RPE cells are derived from human embryonic stem cells. Surgical techniques, safety data, and science of efficacy are all described by Dr. Riemann in our interview with him on New Retina Radio. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech Ophthalmology. At Genentech, science is just the beginning of innovation. Together with the ophthalmology community, Genentech is transforming the treatment of retinal disease to give people the vision to live. To learn more, visit gene.com slash ophthalmology. That's G-E-N-E dot com forward slash ophthalmology. Dry AMD continues to be the great white whale of retina. Despite numerous efforts, over the past several decades, no therapeutic intervention has been proven to be safe and effective treatment. It continues to elude researchers in the field. Still, despite recent trial shortcomings, clinicians seem hopeful. A number of pipeline candidates have made waves, and the future seems bright. At this year's virtual ARVO meeting, Dr. Chris Riemann shared data from the OpRegen project. It examined the safety and efficacy of the subretinal placement of RPE cells derived from human embryonic stem cells in patients with dry AMD and geographic atrophy. Dr. Riemann is a retina surgeon at the Cincinnati Eye Institute. Dr. Riemann, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Scott and Greg. It's a pleasure to be with you. There's a lot to dive into with this study, which is pretty unusual for a phase 1-2A study. Usually we're just looking at a drug and its safety and maybe its efficacy, but here we're looking at those things plus surgical approaches, and then we're trying to figure out what it all means for future trials. Let's start with the basics. Tell us about the RPE cells and how they're implanted. The Opregen cell line is a human embryonic stem cell-derived pigment epithelial cell line. They take ethically derived human embryonic stem cells and, uh, and uh, differentiate those using a cyclic GMP until they become retinal pigment epithelial cells. These cells are then transplanted into the subretinal space by um, it, it, early on, we used a typical vitrectomy retinotomy approach. So this is taking a micro, doing a partial plane of vitrectomy and placing a microneedle transretinally, poking a hole through the retina and in, in creating a subretinal bleb of these cells. More recently, we've used the orbit subretinal delivery system, um, which is a novel and new surgical approach that allows for subretinal injections without a vitrectomy and without a retinotomy. What we do for those, uh, what we do in those surgeries is we make a sclerotomy. We take a specially designed cannula and place it tangentially into the suprachoroidal space and advance it suprachoroidally to the target area where we want to inject the retina. 
This cannula then has a little needle that we can drive out the end of the cannula, puncture the choroid, puncture Burke's membrane, entering the subretinal space and delivering the cells subretinally, again, without a vitrectomy and without retinotomy. So for this study, you and other researchers looked at four cohorts. Uh, can you outline the cohorts and tell us who was included in the study? So um, the, the main, so these were all patients with dry age-related macular degeneration and geographic atrophy. And cohorts one through three consisted of a total of 12 patients that had poor vision. The inclusion criteria was vision had to be less than 2200. In the 12 patients that were recruited, the mean visual acuity was 23 letters or 2400. Cohort four consists of an additional 12 patients, five of which we've already recruited, and uh, the remaining seven we're actively uh, pursuing as we're on the downside of COVID. And, um, and we are... Um, and, and they, they have better visual acuity. So the, of the uh, five patients that we've recruited so far, the mean visual acuity is 54 letters or about 2080. When did you follow up with these patients? So these folks uh, were followed up in a standard post-operative regimen, as well as at many, many months out. Some of the early cohort patients have been followed for uh, over four years, but the cohort four patients, the most recent cohort four patients, have only been followed for a few months. And what did you find on that follow-up? So what we found um, is, uh, in terms of um, the primary endpoint, which was you know systemic and ocular safety and tolerability, in the in the poorly seeing cohorts one through three patients, um, where we weren't really expecting any big visual improvement. We, we found that the cell therapy was safe, visual, nobody lost any significant vision, so, uh, and we didn't have any reports of acute or delayed inflammation, there were no IOP issues, um, and in the cohort four patients, every single one of them, five out of the 12 planned patients have been recruited and followed for at least uh, four months, um, all five of those patients have had improved best corrected visual acuity either out to the one year mark or to the last visit as of this presentation. Very exciting stuff. So some encouraging efficacy data, possibly it's still phase one, but as you mentioned, safety is always the objective of these early trials. Can you go into some of the details of the safety data? The majority of adverse events were mild. Um, and related to typical post-surgical uh, things that really, that's really a non-story. The most frequent uh, reported systemic disorders were asthenia and malaise reported by four patients, and those were felt to probably relate to the immunosuppression that, uh, that these patients are being put on. And from a, uh, from a ocular safety uh, standpoint, probably the most Im important findings were subretinal pigmentation in 11 out of the 17 eyes. And you know, that's interesting because you know, subretinal pigmentation, we were injecting pigmented cells. So even though we classified that as a uh, adverse event, we actually believe that this is potentially a positive finding because we're injecting pigmented cells in, into the subretinal space and 
those cells, that, that subretinal pigmentation is representative of the cells being there. And that subretinal pigmentation in many patients has persisted out to over four years. So on the, on the downside, um, we did see that 13 out of 15 patients operated by the vitrectomy retinotomy approach developed macular puckers. The most of these were mild, but one of them was bad enough that it resulted in significant visual loss and required surgical removal. So this cell therapy causing macular pucker is actually not a, uh, a, an unfamiliar thing. For example, the pallucor cell cell line was also associated with uh, significant pre-retinal macular fibrosis, PVR, and even retinal detachment. So um, this was concerning, and this was the, one of the main reasons why we chose to explore the Obert subretinal delivery system as an alternate method to deliver these cells to the subretinal space without doing a vitrectomy and without poking a hole through the retina. And the exciting thing, as far as the subretinal pigment, as far as the, uh, um, as far as macular fibrosis is concerned, even though we've only done two of those patients so far, uh, none of them, in, neither of them had a macular pucker, none whatsoever. So we think, and I know it's only two patients, but we think that the, the difference between zero out of two patients and 13 out of 15 patients um, in uh, orbit SDS, orbit subretinal delivery system versus vitrectomy um, is a very promising finding. We think that we've solved this problem. As I understand it, there was some important data regarding uh, limited subretinal hemorrhage in some patients. Can you tell me about that? So that's exactly right. So even though with the orbit subretinal delivery system, we seem to have solved the, uh, the macular pucker problem, the pre-retinal fibrosis problem, um, both of, those, both of the, those patients had a very small extrafobial, asymptomatic, and auto-resolving subretinal hemorrhages. So um, as, we're, as we, uh, you know, we're really excited about this data, we're really excited about the visual data, and we're really excited um, about what we think is having solved the epiretinal membrane problem, we need to, you know, that's on the, po on the positive side. On, on, the, on the skeptical side, we need to watch the, uh, the, these limited subretinal hemorrhages carefully and make sure that those don't turn into a bigger problem. So finally, what are the take-home points here? So, you know, the take-home points are, are many. So the cell line, the Opregen cell line appears to be well-tolerated in patients treated to date, and we've treated 17 of them. There were anatomical changes, reduction in drusen, um, and, and on OCT, restorations of the photoreceptor and RPE layers and even ellipsoid layers within the area of the Opregen transplant. Those were observed, and they've persisted in some patients. In the cohort four patients, there was improved vision, there was improved reading speed, and there was slower progression of geographic atrophy. So we're seeing structural changes and functional changes that are very, very exciting. Um, the subretinal pigmentation, we think that's a positive finding and, and likely suggests durability of these transplanted Opregen cells. And then, um, and, and then I guess the thing that I'm personally most excited about is that the macular pucker problem, which we know from other cell lines experiences, can be a major barrier to entry. We think we've solved that with the orbit subretinal delivery system. 
Dr. Chris Riemann, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for the privilege of doing so. That's all for now on New Retina Radio. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest updates sent directly to your podcast feed. And if you like what you hear, review New Retina Radio on Apple Podcasts. It helps your peers find new episodes. Thanks for now. See you next time. This podcast is supported by Genentech Ophthalmology. Genentech works with the ophthalmology community to advance the understanding of serious eye disease and develop new technologies to transform care. Let's partner in doing more for patients. Learn how at gene.com forward slash ophthalmology. That's G-E-N-E dot com forward slash ophthalmology.